Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the DC Comics News Podcast, episode number 28. I'm your host, Joseph Marcus, news editor for DCN, and I am joined this week by news writer and reviewer Brad Filicky. Brad, say hello. Hey, everyone. All right, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's just going to be you and me this week. Uh, uh, you know, our colleagues are, uh, you know, tied up with other things at the moment, but, you know, I think we can, you know, we can still have a good show. Uh, we have a lot to talk yeah, about sure. this week, a lot of news, yeah, yeah. And we can have a nice little back and forth, uh, a repartee, as they would say. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to try to do better this week with the names. So I've been practicing a couple of them, so bear with me on that. But yeah, so we're gonna have we're gonna talk about uh we got a lot of movie news this week. We got a streaming and TV show news, um, and just a little bit of like comic book news to kind of tie it all in. Um, so let's go ahead and get right into it. And our first uh, story this week in the movie news is the announcement that Warner Brothers will not be hosting any Hall H panels at San Diego Comic Con. Now, if you're not familiar with uh, those panels, there's a Hall H is a big giant hall right there at the uh, San Diego Convention Center where Comic-Con takes place. Um, big audiences, and it's usually historically been the, uh, the area where, where, whether it's Marvel, whether it's Warner Brothers, but there's usually a lot of, you know, the big celebrity uh, panels uh, take place. So, for example, last year we had both the uh, the Aquaman panel, you know, had Jason Momoa there and Nicole Kidman and, you know, all the, all, a bunch of people from Aquaman as well as uh, Shazam, Zach Levi were there, was there. So uh, traditionally, yeah, it's kind of been, you know, the the kind of the focal point for Comic-Con. And there's usually a lot of lines, big long lines, but uh, apparently Warner Brothers will be a no-show. And so, Brad, I want to ask you, what did you think about when you heard this news? Well, I think it's definitely a bummer. I think we would have all would liked to have seen Wonder Woman footage and Birds of Prey and, of course, Joker. Mm-hmm. But it also kind of, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe they're just not ready to show stuff from Wonder Woman or Birds of Prey. Uh, they might still be working and really want to get the right trailer the right sizzle reel whatever they're you know they're going to show they might not just be ready but the joker absolutely should be ready by now because that movie's coming out just in october and that's not that far away in the grand scheme of things so it's kind of surprising that joker's not going to have a presence but with the caveat is that they really push the fact that they're going to be bringing kind of their horror side of warner brothers Mm -hmm. with a focus on it chapter two now i think that Genre wise, you if you were going to do some kind of Warner Brothers horror thing, Joker could possibly fit in that. So I think that we might, there might be a possibility that we will hear a little bit more about the Joker movie uh, at San Diego. So, so we'll see. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I got to bring this up, uh, but you know, we are recording during uh, the it's the weekend of it's the eve of E3. Yeah, if you will. And, you know, one of the big stories out of that convention was, uh, you know, a big player Sony is not going to be there at E3. And, you know, it makes me wonder if maybe uh, DC or Warner Brothers specifically is looking to kind of step away and get out of like this giant spotlight to be able to go out and do their own thing. Um, Similar to like, for example, like, uh, you know, like, you know, for example, Marvel Comics, they they tend not to have... uh, 
a big presence uh, outside of San Diego Comic Con or in, in New York because um, yeah. they have their D23 and you know they're gonna have D23 coming up in August here here in Anaheim and you know it's just something that you know they'll have the spotlight it'll be all focused on them you know they'll have the uh, the news cycle as it will the uh, ever shortening news cycle so I'm kind of wondering like do you think maybe this could be like a start of a trend in which you know a lot of the big players kind of start to move out of San Diego and just start to do yeah. their own thing yeah maybe um, uh, you know going back to E3 you know Sony isn't going to be there and that's that does for me you know takes a little bit of my excitement for it just because I loved what they would bring to it and I would say the same thing with DC you know uh, with San Diego you know I can remember how huge of an impression it made when they showed the Aquaman trailer uh, you know at San Diego and that just blew up the internet and it's sad that, that that's not going to happen this year um, but like you were saying you know they could have a lot of things that they are planning uh, as far as the streaming service and things like that, that maybe they will have their own kind of reveal situation sometime between now and, you know, in the fall. So that's definitely possible. Right. You, you know, and the thing that's really crazy about the story, it's it's not just limited to DC. I, I know we cover specifically DC news, but I mean, some of the movies that they could be promoting outside of the DC uh, stable would be like, for example, the upcoming Godzilla versus Kong movie, uh, Dune, uh, Akira's the live action Akira is in uh, is in development. The next Fantastic Beast, like these are usually, you know, San Diego Comic Con. That's that's their audience. That's their target audience for you know a lot of these movies. I guess the the, the hardcore base, if you will. Um, so, you know, I, I I don't know what Marvel's plans are. Uh, it is the fiftieth, but. I was thinking if Marvel takes a step back, maybe DC could have taken a big step, kind of like what Microsoft is doing at E3, but I don't know. Where, yeah. where, 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 where were well, you I think that we're at a very interesting moment in pop culture because right now we have um, the Star Wars movies kind of ending, the Marvel movies kind of ending, uh, you know, and everything's kind of not rebooting, but everybody's kind of figuring out what the next move is. They're the transitioning. Kind of assessing. Like transitioning. They're transitioning. They're studying yeah. and they're, you know, and they're figuring it out what, what they want to do and what the strategies are. And they're trying out different things. Um, so I think that maybe over the next year, I think we'll have a clear picture and as these things kind of solidify a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and with DC, you know, it's the same way because I think that they're really kind of doing the same thing because – uh, you know, the successes that they've had and the kind of setbacks that they've had, they're really trying to to learn from those. Uh, and that's why, you know, they, they came out and said, well, we're, you know, we're focusing on these kind of these filmmaker driven movies rather than trying to tie everything together. And they're trying to figure out the best way to do that. So maybe next year's conventions will have a bigger presence for some of these bigger companies and, and uh, properties. Yeah, and, and and I mean not to say that uh, you know there there's no Hall H panel, but there could still be a presence there. Like you know, again, there's going to be a lot of people from you know the, the various different outlets are, are going to be there. They're going to be in town, so I can imagine they're still going to do interviews while they're down there. Like I can totally see like maybe Gal Gadot still being in town to do some interviews with mm -hmm. different people. Um, and you know, one thing I wanted to point out is. Um, 
you know, as of this as as of this moment, we I we don't know how this affects the TV side of things. Um, whether you know the Warner Brothers will kind of pull back on their television presence, we still don't know that uh, part of the you know the convention. What's what's going to happen with that? But one thing that we can't uh, confirm is that they they have announced that they're still planning on doing. You know, they're actually stepping up their booth presence for both DC Comics and Warner Brothers. Um, and I did want to bring that up because, uh, you know, as, as I've gone to, you know, San Diego um, the last couple of years, and I remember specifically last year, one of the big moments of that show was when the cast of Aquaman went to the actual DC booth that's on the exhibit floor, uh, the main mm-hmm. in the main hall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the world basically stopped <laughs> uh, during that. The you know, I I had to get in there really early just to get kind of a you know, I was like somewhat front row, but it's it's just really hard getting in that booth. And there was just like a huge oh, yeah. crowd, and you can just hear the roar of the crowd as they walk through as they were approaching. Um, I mean, Jason Momoa, he just everybody just gonna stop to get a glimpse yeah. of him and Amber Heard and Nicole Kidman, I think, and, you know, Patrick Wilson, um, and everybody was there. So I'm hoping that, okay, maybe not Hall H, but maybe still kind of do that for the fans, maybe have some, something going on like at the booths, um, or just have some sort of presence like throughout the, uh, the, you know, the hall. But I mean, we're just gonna have to wait and see, I guess. Yep. Yeah. yeah we'll see. All right. Fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, you know, it'd be so funny if, you know, they actually, people, like I said, like we were talking about, people start pulling back from, you know, the, uh, you know, the big presence and then Comic-Con becomes another just, you know, comic book convention, like <laughs> like, like in the old days, yeah. you know, yeah. that'd, be, that'd be wild. All right, so uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on here to some uh, more news related to the... Uh, DC uh, movie universe, or I guess what's left of the DCEU. I know it's you know it's kind of waning day by the day, but uh, during this announcement of not being able to be at Hall H, uh, you know Wonder Woman eighty four, specifically Patty Jenkins, the director, uh, took the opportunity to tweet out a picture of uh, Wonder Woman in her new costume. And you know I have to say it's a bit of a psychedelic image, um, but what we can tell. Is uh, you know, let me let me go ahead and just quote uh, this Patty Jenkins tweet here. By now, you've heard Warner WB isn't going to be at Hall H this year. We're so sad to miss you there, and waiting until December to start our official hashtag WW84 campaign in full. But the truth is, we we can just barely wait. And that was tweeted on on June 5th, and we got this image, and yeah, we got a. a Fully armored Gal Gadot and what appears to be, uh, it looks like gold, but I mean, there's just a lot going on in this picture. So, uh, Brad, like, what did you think when you saw the that's, image? That's exactly what I thought. There's a lot going on. <laughs> uh, I do, I do love the colors, uh, and uh, it does have a very '80s feel. Uh, but I really dug it. I think, um, I think the armored's a, a cool concept. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of like it, mm. uh, but I am kind of kind of bummed that we have to you know wait until December for a full push. But uh, you know, it's, everything so far seems to you know point to the fact that it'll be worth the wait. So you know, keep at it. Give us a great movie. Right, right. As someone who's planning on going to San Diego this year, I can tell you, I 
that was probably the one thing I was looking forward to the most is having a chance to see Gal Gadot <laughs> yeah. down there. So, you know, again, I was really disappointed by this news. But uh, as to the image itself, um, I do like it. I think it's really psychedelic. psychedelic. It really kind of vibes with the uh, that whole 80s vibe you're talking about. Um, but I do have to kind of, you know, pause for a moment and... You know, when I look at this image, I love the image itself, but I'm, it makes me wonder, like, I don't, because I don't think this is what the final look in the movie is going to be. And I don't expect her, like, is this going to be, like, what the armor looks like in the, uh, you know, the uh, when the movie's all wrapped up and, and released? Um, I just, I kind of wish I saw kind of, like, a better image of what, she's going to look like in a movie uh, with this armor. And again, it just, you know, um, and not to put it down or anything, it's just the image kind of, I, and I still love it. It's just kind of a little bit garish, uh, you know, for me, just a little bit though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I just kind of wish I saw kind of like a what I can expect to see in the movie you, itself. Yeah. You know, the thing, I think you might be right about this, you know, that it might not, look quite like this when it hits the film and one thing about this image you're saying garish is that i guess the one problem i have with it is kind of the way the colors used in the background and affecting the way the light shines off the costume uh it makes me almost feel like the colors behind her are affecting the colors in the costume in a way Mm -hmm. if that makes sense like it might not be that exact color scheme when we see the finished product Right, right, right. And again, I, I really can't tell. I'm looking at the image now, but I can't, really can't tell if it's kind of like a, a backdrop or if it's kind of, you know, photoshopped in or something. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, just how, how the image was taken. But, you know, I wish to kind of would kind of just maybe give us a little tease of maybe like a behind the scenes of like the photo shoot itself. Um, yeah. Just so kind of we can see what the costume looks like in normal lighting, I guess. That's kind of what I, I was hoping for. Um yeah, but again, I, I like the image. I just kind of wish it was kind of more aligned with what we can expect with the movie when it when mm-hmm. it comes up. Um, but yeah, okay. So let's go ahead and the uh, move on here real quick to our next story. And our next story here revolves around the Birds of Prey. And the interesting thing about the uh, Birds of Prey here is that it's only its budget it's only 75 million and just to give you guys an idea of you know how that kind of stands along with the rest of the dc movies uh justice league which is their most expensive movie their that budget for that movie was about 300 million um so this is considerably smaller and so you know i just kind of rather just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on you know what the, uh, the the small budget what do you think about it and you know before you get into that i just want to say uh you know margot robbie didn't say that they are on schedule and they are on budget and that is a wonderful place to be and another thing she kind of touched on was kind of like the costume design and she described it as the costume design as being a quote a little bit less gazy uh g-a-z-e dash y and i think what she meant by that was kind of just uh a little bit you know, pulling back on some of the cheesecake, if you will. I, I don't right. think we can. I don't think we can expect to see, you know, Margot Robbie in like the, uh, for example, the uh, short shorts uh, from right. Suicide Squad. It's right. going to be something a little bit more, 
Practical doubt. Tactical. Right? Yeah, yeah, maybe like tactical, um, which, you know, which is, which is fine by me. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were, you know, I, I love seeing Margot Robbie on the big screen, but you know, seeing really cool tactical armor on women, you know, I am totally on board for that. Just something that makes them look badass. Um, that's kind of what I'm hoping for. So, uh, Brad, like, so what do you think about uh, Birds of Prey and how it's coming along? Well, I love the fact that it's on budget and on schedule because I want to, you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't want it to get delayed. Um, and I think that, you know. I think that definitely it's possible to make a good, great, even great Birds of Prey movie with 75 million. The powers are a little more grounded, maybe. So you don't, it's not like a Justice, thing where you, Justice League where you need to worry about Superman's power. Um, it's, it's a little more street level. Uh, so I think that you could definitely make a good movie for 75 million. Um, and it could be a smart move because if you put 75 million into a movie, make a good movie, and it's a lot more likely to to turn a profit. And when it turns a profit, then other things can get approved, and we can see more and more of this stuff brought to light. So I I think that 75 million could still get us a, a really good Birds of Prey movie. Yeah, I think the. Uh... The cool thing about this movie is that it's, it's going to be, I'm assuming it's going to be, it's, it's kind of like a greedy crime uh, or kind of right. realistic uh, world. It's going to take place like in a real city, you know, real streets and like crime bosses and, you know, guns. You know, you're not, you're not building an Atlantis in CG. You're not building, you know, Themyscira, you know, in, in, in CG. Right. Exactly. You don't have these. You know, and then Black Mask, you know, for, yeah, as a villain, you know, he's, I don't expect him to be to have any CG on him, quite honestly, it's just a guy with a mask. But, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think, I think that's really cool. I think that really sets it apart from some of the other movies we've seen, like just make something smaller, kind of like what we're seeing with the Joker movies. It's, yeah. um, but again, you have like, you still going to have like these, all these characters, uh, you know, coming in. And I mean, I'm personally super excited to see uh, Cassandra Kane. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I am so stoked to see you know how she turns out in the movie um and again you know i touched on it a little bit but as for you know the budget and all that that's great um in terms of the costumes great like do something different and we've already seen that i mean no matter what it is you know people are still going to cosplay <laughs> you know i expect to see a, a bunch of uh this version of harley quinn cosplay at san diego um yeah. but yeah just do something cool do something tactical i mean maybe something different than what we've seen in the comics. I mean, in the comics, you can get away with a lot of things that quite frankly, you can't do in real life. (laughs) Yeah. You you know? So yeah, I, I, to be quite honest, birds of prey is probably the movie I'm most excited to see out of, you know, what we have in store. I know that's kind of a bit of a, you know, unusual choice, um, you know, with Joker and wonder woman coming up, but I, I am just a big fan of, you know, DC's, female characters uh i think that's probably one of dc's strongest uh aspects of the universe is just the just just uh you know uh just a ton of great female characters um and i'm super excited to see a bunch of them coming to life on the uh, big screen all right so with that we're gonna go ahead and move on in our movie news and we're gonna go into the uh to black adam Black Adam, which is the uh, story that the uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is currently attached to, and now uh, 
pretty much it's all but settled that uh, the movie will have a director. Well, well, we know the director, who the director will be. And that is Jean Colette Serra. Um, and I practice saying that, folks. So <laughs> <laughs> actually, I did have to look it up. So I hope I said it correctly. But uh, we're going to go with that. Um, and so he is going to be the uh, director on this movie. And, you know, the the Rock has kind of, you know, touched touched up uh, on it a little bit. And, you know, The Rock, he tweeted out and he has worked with him before on, a, I believe the movie is called Jungle Cruise. And, yeah, so let's go ahead. And, uh, Brad, what do you think about this uh, director and, you know, what we can expect from Black Adam? I really like the fact that we're getting more concrete news. Uh, you know, The Rock has been pushing for this role for so long now and the fact that shazam was a success gives it that much more of a push so i'm glad uh that it seems like it's going to be coming closer to a reality because when i find when a star really wants the role and you know that that goes so far into making a good movie um that's one of the reasons why you know going back to birds of prey for a second is that margot robbie loves playing harley quinn and fans seem to love her too. She was, you know, far and away the best thing uh, for Suicide Squad movie. So I think that that just the fact that the star really wants to do it is uh, a positive sign. And as far as the director, um, he hasn't done a lot. Uh, I did see The Shallows, that shark movie that he did mm-hmm. uh, with um, uh, Blake Lively. Uh, it was good. Um, you know, I can't say that anything jumped out to me is like, wow, he needs to direct a superhero movie. So those things are interesting. You know, I wonder what Warner brothers saw in him for their vision. So, uh, you know, I just, I, I guess I would have a stronger opinion about the director if he had done more, um, that, that jungle cruise movie, I think comes out this summer. So I think that I'll definitely go and see that movie just to kind of get a sense of getting an idea of what he would bring uh, to this project. So, right. Yeah, it's you know I'm just at the end of the day I'm just glad that it's one step closer to being made. Right, right, right. And now again I'm not too familiar with uh, this director's work, um, but again I'm happy to see that you know Black Adam is finally kind of uh, I guess accelerating production. Um, It's been rumored for years. It's probably the longest rumored movie um, Mm -hmm. at this point. but yeah, after you know, just looking at the uh, some of the news that's out there, some of the news stories, they, you know, they mentioned that some of the insiders have said that ever since the you know the relative success of Shazam, which note that movie only costs about a had a budget of only a hundred million, but the success that came from that movie with such a small budget really accelerated uh, you know Warner Brothers and DC's desire to make Black Adam uh, as soon as possible and quite possibly set up that you know, that big matchup uh, between Shazam and Black Adam. And really because if they didn't believe in the project as a standalone, they probably would just have scrapped it and make Black Adam the villain in the first movie because the first Shazam movie, because he is kind of Shazam's arch nemesis, kind of like, you know, the Joker or Lex Luthor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it seems to me that Warner Brothers always had a plan for this movie in the back of their heads at least so that's i think it's a good sign as well right and i think we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago in a previous episode but we were talking about how you know 
the rock comes from that wrestling background and so you have kind of like the opportunity to you give shazam his movie and then you give black adam his movie so now you kind of get familiar with both characters and that kind of really sets up uh this kind of this confrontation like you would see like in a i guess in a well uh you know choreographed wrestling match you know just the establishment and you know building up the hype and the drama um mm-hmm. I think that's maybe something that might have been lacking from, like, you know, Batman versus Superman. You know, if you would have had a Batman movie to kind of establish Ben Affleck, I think that kind of, you know, might have helped that movie uh, a little bit. But, you know, they, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <You're right>. So, <laughs> <laughs> BVS, yeah, yeah, we, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but, yeah, so uh, I think, uh, yeah, again, I'm just excited to see how this movie plays out. And uh, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, move along here. And we do have, and this is kind of an interesting one because, to be quite honest, I didn't know that this was kind of a thing. And you know, some of my listeners might not know this, but you know, there was a collaboration in which we had a comic book uh, based on Django. And if you don't know the Django character, he is from uh, Quentin Tarantino's movie Django and Chain. And there is a kind of a crossover between that character and Zorro, um, you know, from the Mask of Zorro fame. So there was a comic in which, you know, those characters kind of, you know, met up. And now it appears that that movie is in development. And I, you might have, it looks like we're going to have Quentin Tarantino serving as producer. And we're going to have a Jared Carmichael serving as screenwriter. Um so Brad, like, what do you what do you think uh, about this uh, potential crossover? And did, did you read the comic by any chance? I, I did, I did, and I okay. liked it. But it's been a while, so okay. I'd kind of have to refresh a little bit about, um, you know, the exact story. And when I found out that there that this was a plan, I almost thought about rereading it. And I thought, no, I kind of I kind of want to hold back on that because I kind of want the story to be fresh, as the you know as I go and see it. Uh, I'd be a lot more skeptical about it in general if, if Quentin Tarantino wasn't involved. Um, mm. the, you know, the fact that even if it, as a producer, the fact that he's involved um, gives me a little more, a little more faith in it. Because uh, <laughs> I'm always skeptical of these kind of crossovers. Um, it's hard for them, you know, Alien vs. Predator, Freddy vs. Jason, blah, blah, blah. Um, not necessarily the best movies but uh (laughs) i don't think that if quentin tarantino is going to put his name to something i don't think it's going to be something that's going to be garbage so he must see something in the script or you know or the presentation so yeah if he gives his blessing then it gives me faith in it yeah i'm trying to think of uh um some of the other movies in which tarantino has served as producer but not as director um the the grindhouse features where there's were those as Tarantino directed or? Well, he directed Death Proof. He directed okay. one of the movies and then Robert Riguez did the other one. But I think that they both kind of, you know, did a lot behind the scenes producing and, and all that with those with those movies. You know, now that you mentioned, now that you just brought, you just brought up his name, but Robert Rodriguez, I think that would be a pretty awesome director to have attached. Oh, yeah, he'd be perfect for it. Yeah, I mean, that would be, man, you get him involved. Oh, man. <laughs> I would, and then, I, would, I would camp overnight to be the first to see that. <laughs> and then to go to go even further, you have the connection between Robert Rodriguez and Antonio Banderas, mm-hmm. who was in Desperado and played Zorro, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep. And and according to this new story, it says that this is an older version of Zoro. Um, oh, so that would be, be yeah, that would be perfect. I, I, look, we just we just set up the movie for them right there. Yeah, you know? there you go. I hope they're. Right. I hope you're listening. Please, please send the check to. <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> so there you go. See, so now you got Tarantino producing, Robert Rodriguez directing. We got Jared Carmichael screenwriting, and then we're gonna have Jamie Foxx reprising his role, and then we got Antonio Banderas as the older Zorro. Perfect. And there I do think go. that you know you, Jamie Foxx does come back. That definitely lends some more, even more credibility mm-hmm. to it. I think so. Yeah, that's you know, fingers crossed again. <laughs> yeah, to be quite honest, I, I, it's almost I don't even think they should do it unless they can get Jamie Fox. Uh, right. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he, yeah, it's that's definitely kind of like one of the his more iconic performances and uh, mm-hmm. most most notable more notable ones. I mean, I not you know Jamie Fox has done a ton of great work. Um, but in recent years, I think a lot of people, you know, Django is definitely one of those movies that stands out in a lot of people's minds when it comes oh, to yeah. Box. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, hopefully, uh, yeah, people are listening and they, they take our advice and then, you know, this comes to fruition. All right. So that kind of wraps up our movie news for this week. And so we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a quick little break. We'll come back with some TV news. But for now, here is a word from our sponsors. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC. N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. All right, and we're back, and we're going to go ahead and dive right into the TV and streaming news. And if you've been paying attention this week, you know that the big story out of the DC television universe revolves around the Swamp Thing, uh, the saga of the Swamp Thing, if you will, pun intended. Um, apparently, it was a uh, it was announced that after the episode debuted last Friday, that the show will be canceled after its first season, um, which really shocked a lot of fans, um, um, both. Both you and me, Brad. Um, you know, we both watched the the first episode and big fans of it. But we'll get into it in just a moment. But 
I did want to kind of lay out some of the uh, things that were revolving around some of the things, some of the things that we've heard, and you know, because there's a lot going on with this story. And if you, if you folks recall, there was a uh, earlier uh, this year it was announced that they were actually cutting down the uh, the number of episodes. They were going from 13 episodes down to 10, um, and a big reason for that was over creative differences. And you know, at the time it was uh, announced that you know some of the executives were kind of looking for a show that was kind of more in line with the uh, CW brand of uh, DC shows, whereas others kind of wanted to lean hard into that horror aspect. Um, but apparently, it probably was a big reason is the Swamp Thing had a... Was the cost of the producing the show was just skyrocketed. Um, the first season, as you know, according to reports, the first season cost around $85 million dollars. Uh, to make and just to bring that into context or kind of to compare it that's more than the birds of prey movie we just talked about um which is nuts and and a big reason for that was uh, warner brothers who um that film which films swamp thing in north carolina there were expecting a tax rebate of up to 40 million dollars um but apparently there was some sort of uh you know clerical mistake or you know the the actual fund that is used by the north carolina state government to actually offer rebates to a lot of these productions was clearly underfunded um their budget was only expected to be 31 million dollars for the incoming fiscal year and so 40 million dollar rebate was clearly out of the question and so they were able to offer uh 14 million dollars with a grand total of 16.9 million dollars to the production which is considerably a lot less than that 40 million dollars so dc kind of had to take a big hit on that and you know just to explain the where that rebate comes from this the production company was going to get 4.9 million dollars rebate after filming their pilot with the rest the 12 million coming after they had finished recording um, their season that's usually how it works there in north carolina so i'm sure Warner Brothers and DC and saw they weren't getting back the money and they just kind of pulled the plug before they ate, you know, before they lost any more money on this. So, Brad, I know there's kind of a lot there. There's a lot of uh, numbers that I just threw out to everybody. I hope everybody was able to follow that. Um, still kind of sifting through what's going on here. But yeah, what are your thoughts on Swamp Thing? I, I just think that you just have to, you, you could throw those numbers out and at the end of the day, all that, you know, what that really comes down to is that they just, they just couldn't afford to make the show, um, you know, and it's too bad because, uh, you know, the show is good and it's getting, you know, critical and fans seem to enjoy it too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can't, if you don't have the money, you can't make the show. And it's not like with the streaming service is kind of hard because you don't have necessarily ratings and, you know, DC universe uh, you know, is still struggling to find subscribers and, you know, get its foot, get a good foothold. So, yeah, I mean, they just couldn't afford to make it. But the thing that kills me is the fact that they had to announce it the day that the first episode debuts. I mean, that just seems like to take the wind out of the sails so quick, you mm -hmm. know, and that's just too bad. I wish they could have somehow waited or done, you know, something, which is such a it was just such a bummer to be looking forward to that first episode and then 
that same day, hearing the fact that there's only going to be these 10 episodes. But, you know, thank God that DC is still going to, you know, they're still going to play all 10 episodes. So we will get the full, right. the full first season, which, thank God, you know, I'm happy about that, at least. You know, just to provide a little bit more comparison here, um, I just looked it up here real quick. The uh, season eight of Game of Thrones, each episode, which there were only six, each episode cost $15 million, which is for the entire season eight was $90 million. So yeah. compare that to Swamp Thing's $85 million budget for one season. Yeah. And, you know, obviously people that know Game of Thrones really well, they know kind of the production that goes into that show. I don't think Swamp Thing is going to be anywhere near that level of production. But, yeah, it was one of those things where, like, whoa, we're spending how much? And God. they spent that much because they thought they were going to get a certain percentage of that back automatically and mm-hmm. and if that doesn't come to fruition then that's that's capitalism you know i mean that's yeah, the, yeah yeah that's got to be what it's got to be and that's just just a shame just you i know, wish that could have worked out better yeah you know it does make me wonder what did they spend 85 million dollars on and and that, right. not to be right. critical but i'm like I'm kind of really curious to see how the season plays out. I think you might have maybe, not to hype it up too much, but you might have a really fantastic season, <laughs> even though it's just yeah. a season. But, I mean, if they spent this much money on one season, like, I'm very curious to see, like, where all that went and what kind of yeah. special effects and production went into the and, show. And Yeah, and it could be one of those things that, you know, once it's done and um, it, it It'll be a it'll have a cult following something like Firefly, but the mm. problem is the problem with that is is that nobody really buys Blu-rays and DVDs the way they did. So you know it's gonna be that's gonna be harder for the show to do because people just don't pay attention to those releases as much. Which if they didn't see it now on the streaming service, it's gonna be harder to be exposed to that through other means. So. You know, it might be a cult hit, and you know we'll we'll see how that season plays out. Yeah, you you <laughs> you might have a situation where it's like, oh yeah, uh, we spent money on the we have like these three dragons that we added to yeah. the uh, <laughs> Swamp Thing universe. <laughs> so it's Swamp Thing, you know, just becoming ginormous like Godzilla, and he takes on like these three dragons. So no, no, no yeah. I'm just making that up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, again, like, I'm really excited to see how, what they spent that money on. And, you know, again, you know, we talked about it. But the show itself, just from the first episode, I, I, I thought it was great. And, you know, I did mention last week that, um, I don't know if you quite agree with me, Brad, but I, I kind of teased a little bit how there's that one scene that kind of felt like John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, just really kind of like, you know, right. w- yeah. WTF, like, what yeah. am I looking at right now? Um, yeah. which oh, just really sold me on the show. I haven't seen the second episode yet. I'm probably going to watch that tonight. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see how this show plays out. Yeah. 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 So uh, let's go ahead and continue on with our uh, t- uh, TV news. And uh, it was announced this week that Lucifer, uh, that just came back to restarted his fourth season on Netflix. They announced that the fifth season will be the final season. Um, 
So, Rad, I know you said you mentioned you have watched a, a little bit of the show. So I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Lucifer and how it's going. And uh, are you sad to see it go? I am sad to see it go. Uh, but one thing that gives me a little ray of hope on this is that they, the showrunners came out and said, we get to end it the way we always wanted to end it. We kind of, they, they said that we basically had uh, five seasons planned. So generally when that happens, I think that the series finales of those type of shows generally work out better. So I'm glad that the story gets to be told in the way that the showrunners wanted it to. So if we have to end, at least we'll end on a high note. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Just to uh, quote the uh, showrunners here, we have uh, co-showrunners Joe Henderson and Ildi Modrovic. And he says, well, um, we are so incredibly thankful to Netflix for resurrecting our, our show last season and now letting us finish the story of Lucifer on our terms. Most importantly, we want to thank the fans for the incredible passion and support. The best is yet to come. And to that, Modrovic added, I mean, holy crap, it's just been great. I don't know if I could ever handle it when uh, when bad reviews came or something because I feel so spoiled and grateful now. We also have one another really fun toy to play with that we know is going to be a big guiding factor in season five. So we're excited uh, about that, too. Um, so, yeah, we have that coming from the showrunners. And as you mentioned, I think it's great that they're, you know, you know, it sucks to see, you know, I feel bad for the actors. Because, uh, you know, for them, this is a living. This is how they make their money. Um, but in terms of storytelling, I'm a big fan of just something gets wrapped up. Um, and having the show just have that opportunity to kind of like, okay, we got one more season. We got to wrap everything up. And just having the uh, room to breathe and really kind of cap off the story the way they wanted it to. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're getting a chance to do that. Uh, you know, for some reason, I keep thinking and... You know, some people might hate me for saying this, but, you know, with, like, The Office, hugely popular show, that show might have gone on a bit too long, um, mm-hmm. especially after uh, Steve Carell left. That might have gone on too long. Not to say that it was horrible, but it just felt different when you kind of maybe add, continue to add season after season, you know, just to kind of get a paycheck um, from it. Yeah, um, I'm glad when they're really concise and just kind of like, okay, we're going to wrap this All up right. and and move on, so... Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I guess one, you know, one positive silver lining as far as the actors are concerned, I think the one thing about Lucifer is it kind of gave the, some, a lot of the actors on the show a bigger exposure. So I think that gives them, it's going to open up when, you know, doors for them going forward after this. So I, I definitely don't think it'll be the last we hear out of these actors unless they chose to retire. So I think that we'll see good things from them down the road too. Yeah. Yeah. This, we're just going to have to, uh, wait and see. Um, so with that, we're going to go ahead and move, move on into the, uh, the news here. And we're going to talk about a leak that came out this week with regards to a possible Warner media streaming service. Now, as you guys probably know by now, uh, there's a huge merger between AT&T and Time Warner. Uh, you know, Time Warner is a parent company of uh, DC Entertainment, you know, owns DC Comics, you know, and all those properties. So, you know, after the merger, and it really should come as no surprise, but, you know, most people were expecting some kind of giant uh, streaming service um, that takes all these properties that are kind of under their, you know, and that are in your stable and 
put them on you know on another streaming service. Um, as of right now, the leak said that the, the the amount for this monthly service would range somewhere between sixteen and seventeen dollars, and that does seem high compared to some of the other streaming services that are out there right now and are about to come. Um, but they did say that it would include HBO, which currently retails for about fourteen ninety nine a month, and Cinemax. So you take if you have an HBO subscription, you take that plus Cinemax plus the rest of the Warner Media, and you know it'll be all kind of collaborated in to this one Warner Media streaming services. Now a bit of a side note here, but it's still related to the story. There was, uh, you know, we learned that Warner Media is actually in a bidding war with Apple, with J.J. Abrams' company Bad Robot to produce content. Uh, for this service so that is still an ongoing bidding war at the moment and more specifically towards you know to to us as here at, at dcn is we don't know what's this going how this is going to affect dc universe the current dc universe app um is this going to kind of get is dc universe going to get folded into the streaming service we don't know um but the streaming service is and again, this is all based on leaks. Um, it's expected to launch in March of next year, 2020. So, Brad, what do you think about a possible another streaming service from Warner Media? Uh, I do think that that price point is high. Uh, you know, including HBO and Cinemax is def- will definitely be a selling point to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that definitely will sell subscriptions as long as they don't take away content because there's so much on the HBO and the Cinemax app as far as their original content. Uh, pretty much everything's there. So as long as they keep everything there, I think that that will help offset it. But man, that is expensive, especially considering that there are so many streaming services out there. Disney Plus is going to be huge, and that's only going to be $6.99. Mm-hmm. Um, and the streaming services that are in that range netflix hulu amazon they have a lot of different networks too that they can draw from it's not just their original content so you know at least warner has the hbo and cinemax stuff to draw from and i hope that it means a lot of cool original content too because a lot of people go to the streaming services for old shows and things like that for me personally i like the original content uh which brings us to dc universe which you know, I don't I don't care how I watch the shows. I just hope they get made as far as I want more seasons of Titans, uh, you know, more seasons of Doom Patrol. Unfortunately, we won't get more seasons of the Swamp Thing. But, you know, I want these shows to keep on getting made. So mm-hmm. if that I would rather it jump to the Warner Brothers streaming service rather than just cease to exist and get rid of the the DC streaming service altogether. And another thing, though, but, you know, going back to also these old shows to draw from, they better keep like Batman Beyond and Batman the Animated Series and all those, all the old classic content that DC Universe has as well. You know, now, you you know, just as you're speaking, I I kind of started, two things came to mind. Um, The first is I'm kind of not... You know, all these shows that you mentioned, you know, Titan, the Swamp Thing, Batman Beyond. I'm kind of a little bit worried about them being transferred over into a bigger service because I'm afraid they might get buried. Um, you know, this thing with Netflix, there's so much 
content on Netflix at the moment that they have to kind of cycle stuff in and out every month. But, you know, their original pro- programming kind of stays on the forefront. Um, but I'm kind of worried if, you know, things just start getting buried. Um, and, and, and again, you know, I'm thinking of what we just saw. And I don't know if it's ex- related exactly, but look at the Marvel shows that were on Netflix. Um, I thought they were, you know, really good for the most part. Um, and but there's just so much content being constantly uploaded to Netflix that you kind of can't help but wonder, like, did this show really have an opportunity to get out there and for people to give it a, a try? So I don't know. Do you, do you think that's a, a valid concern or? I think uh, overall it it might be a concern, but for you know going back to to what I feel individually for myself is that I will look for those shows. So mm-hmm. if I know that Batman Beyond and Batman the Animated Series is on that streaming service, it won't be buried to me because I'll seek it out. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm hoping that fans would be like that. But you know, you, yeah, you know, you could be right. Um, and that would be a shame if people don't watch it, so they decide to take it off, and you know, things like that. So yeah, I think that as much as I would seek those out, I do think it's a valid concern uh, that they might get a little swept to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then another thing that came to, to came to mind is, you know, going back to this bidding war for J.J. Abrams and his bad robot. Um, if you're trying to get his company to come over and produce content for your streaming service, uh, how juicy of a carrot is it to have this stable of DC content? Um, I think I'm just thinking like, what if they were like, Hey, JJ, come over to our streaming service. You get to take your pick of, you know, characters from like the DC universe. And that to me sounds insane. Cause JJ Abrams is already involved with star Wars and star Trek and the possibility of being now involved with like DC content. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm like, that would be a, yeah. I mean, <laughs> imagine the possibilities. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that until until just yeah. now. But I mean, it's got to be. I mean, if you're going against Apple, it's like, what does Apple have? You know, they're like, oh, you can go and do your own stuff. And Warner Bros. is like, yeah, you can do your own stuff here, but you can also do comic book stuff too. And bringing up Apple, you know, we can get mm-hmm. into the didn't really talk about the fact that AT and T is now involved. Mm-hmm. And AT&T has a lot of skin in the game when it comes to phones and cellular networks and things like that. So what that brings up in my mind is I hope they don't put that content behind a certain kind of uh, paywall or something like that. If you have it, if you're on the ATT networks, you get these shows for free. But if you're not, if you have Sprint, well, then you got to pay extra to get these to get this content. Mm. Right, right. You know, no, that's that's possible. Yeah, I, I think I would, like what you're saying is like, oh, you kind of get it for free if you're under already in the AT and T. Right. Yeah. Which, I, to be honest, if it, it probably wouldn't be free, they'll just kind of jack up the price on for AT and T customers. Yeah. I mean, right, because I, they'll want people to see it, so they want you know. But yeah, who knows? I mean, it's speculation. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so, you know, one thing that we did want to touch on, and this this is kind of a story that uh, we just uh, heard about uh, right before we started recording, 
Um, and apparently, the was uh, some of the uh, studio execs from Warner Brothers, na- namely Chairman Toby Emmerich. He was at a conference. The conference is uh, produced by. It's a produced by conference. And, you know, he was part of a panel, uh, you know, alongside Warner Brothers President and Chief Content Officer for Television, Peter Roth, and Deadline's Pete Hammond. And, you know, they started talking about kind of like what they can expect from, you know, from Warner Brothers Pictures, from, you know, some of the DC stuff uh, that's that's going on out there. And let's see if I can just pull up the quote here. But, um, you know, specifically relating to like DC films, they kind of, you know, celebrated the fact that, they're really focusing on their directors and working on that kind of relationship between directors and their fans and just tying projects to specific directors, mainly like Patty Jenkins and her work with Wonder Woman and James Wan um, and kind of really focusing on their work and just letting them go out and, and do what they do. Um, you know, he did quote, he said, great directors are the lifeblood of each studio, but they need uh, great producers and end quote. And that's a big part of kind of what we're seeing. It's it's it really is. Let's just give these you know. Let's just give them the ball and let them run with it. Uh, to use a uh, you know sports terminology here, um, but I, but I think the uh, the quote that really stands out to me is you know they they were asked specifically about the Disney Fox merger, and and you know Emmerich said. You know, Fox and Disney, I'm jealous because they will be the number one uh, producer for the foreseeable future, um, end quote. But he also went on to say this will, quote, al- will allow us to take risks on films they normally wouldn't consider, end quote. By they, I assume they mean the studio. Um, so, Brad, I, I, you know, this story, just we just uh, learned about this this morning. Um, and I did wanted to ask you kind of like what you thought about uh, specifically y- – at least for me, the, that quote really stands out to me, the idea of being second and really taking risk. And again, tying it, you know, to go back to our previous uh, E3 comparisons, you know, PlayStation has just been killing uh, Microsoft. And, you know, PS4 has been killing Xbox One in terms of sales. Um, and that has led to kind of, uh, you know, Microsoft taking more risk and being more consumer friendly, more fan friendly, you know, again, taking more risk by more studios being really aggressive in order to kind of close that gap. Um, so let me ask you this, like, what do you think about these uh, comments from Emmerich and what do you think they uh, mean for the future of DC movies? I, I think it's, it plays into why we're getting so many of these little tidbits about these possibilities, like the Booster Gold movie, uh, the Trench movie, uh, all these little things that are coming out because they are willing to take chances. And if a if a director has a good pitch and they want to take a risk on it, great. If that gets us a Plastic Man movie or going back to the Trench, if it gets us a Trench movie, yeah, take those risks. I just, you know, I... I keep coming back to the fact that I just like these things existing and getting made. Um, and I think that um, a lot of times when you take those risks, that makes for some really interesting art. Uh, so I think that that whole number two thing, I think that that's going to give us some very interesting content over the next, you know, five years. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of really enjoy his candor and just being so forthcoming and just say, Hey, listen, mm-hmm. the other guys, they're going to be number one, <laughs> you know, they're going to be, and they're going to be number one for a while. So let's kind of, you know, 
this is what you can expect. They're going to be number one for a while. And so we're going to be number two. We're going to do our best to stay at number two. And we're just going to kind of focus on doing the best that we can. And we feel that the best way to do that is to give really talented creators a space for them to create great things. Um, and I think that's kind of, I just think that's awesome. And I think considering, you know, you know, the, I, I want to be nice here, but the uh, kind of the minutia of uh, the DCEU and kind of things stalling and things being in development for so long and just things dragging on and on and on um, for years now, I, I, you know, it feels great. I think it feels great to, you know, if you're a DC fan, you should feel good. You should feel good about mm -hmm. the future of what to expect. You know, kind of like the same thing again, you know, to compare it to like Microsoft. Like if you're an Xbox owner, if you're a Microsoft fan, I think it should be a really exciting time. You know, you you know, tomorrow they're going to have their press conference. They're going to announce a bunch of new stuff. And so that should get them hyped up. And, you know, I can't wait to see. It would have been nice if they had a Hall H panel so they can announce all these things. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, going you know, going, that. yeah, going back to her earlier story. Um, but again, maybe they might do something different and just have kind of like their own Warner Brothers spotlight or showcase, uh, if you will, and just kind of, you know, drop all these like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, we're, we're doing these. Here's some trailers and here's some announcements. And this is our kind of what you can expect in the foreseeable future. Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess uh, that, that'll do it um, for TV streaming news. Um, is there anything else you wanted to mention? There, Brad. Before we move no, on, I think uh, I think uh, I think that's it. Okay. Move on. All right, then let's go ahead and move on. And um, you know, as always, we you know we love talking about movies. We love talking about TV. Um, but none of this would exist if it weren't for comic books. And uh, it's you know, unfortunately, it is a bit of a light week in terms of uh, comics. And so um, we did want to touch on just a, a few things, uh, just to kind of uh, hopefully satisfy your uh, hunger for some comic book news. And uh, there's a story in the uh, outofcomicbook.com in which a, a comic based off of uh, Congresswoman uh, AOC, which is uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, um, she is there. There is a comic that is will be getting a new cover after they received a cease and desist letter from DC Comics regarding that image. And if you're not familiar. Um, you can go online and check out the image, and it features uh, Congresswoman AOC, um, you know, kind of uh, dressed in kind of like, a, um, you know, in superhero attire, but it closely resembles, you know, kind of like the Superman, Wonder Woman. Um, you have Congresswoman Ilhan Omar in Batman gear, and then you have uh, Bernie Sanders as uh, Green Lantern on the cover. And a really funny thing here is the uh, creators of the comic, uh, I'm trying to find it, the Devil's Do comics. Um, they're really leaning hard into their cease and uh, desist letter. Um, so, Brad, let me ask you. Let me ask you about this. Like, what did you think about kind of uh, this little controversy surrounding this comic? Uh, <laughs> they devils do really double down with this new cover. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole Mad Magazine font. Um, uh, you know, it's kind of brilliant. Uh, <laughs> in a way um mm -hmm. but you know i i, I guess it, at the heart of it i wish dc wouldn't have sent the um the cease and desist order because i guess you know my own political leanings <laughs> kind of like oh come on um but mm -hmm. uh you know i i'll be honest with you i i 
kind of appreciate the snarky the start the snarkiness of this uh cover <laughs> yeah yeah uh and again not, not not to get too political here uh it, it's yeah you know it's kind of like it's it's like one of those things where like you know and again you know not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole here but you know i'm personally not a fan of aoc um but again if if it wasn't for this controversy i probably would have never heard about this comic and this story kind of reminds me of the i don't know if you remember early on it was actually on our first podcast the oh uh, yeah the, yeah the second coming uh comic um again it was a book that if it wasn't for you know all the outrage you know coming from um you know the the you know the evangelical groups we probably would never have known about about that comic and now that we know it's kind of like oh well, we got to keep an eye out for that um yeah. So I feel like this is very much the same situation where it's like we probably most people wouldn't have known about this comic book. But, you know, again, it's like you like you said, it's very irreverent. It's you know, it's definitely a parody. It has a mad lettering. So there's going to be people that are not going to keep their eye out for it. And it's just one of those things where like, you know, I don't know how to quite put it, but it's almost like when you try to censor something or attack something, you just you just hype it up more you bring it more to the forefront um that's just kind of standard political uh, you know controversy you know attracts eyeballs right it it really is as simple as that um again it's 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 almost like it's devil's due game to lose because you know the end of the day they're going to end up selling more you know more issues so yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, you know, less DC would take them for everything that they're worth. You know, I right. don't know, you know, but um, yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, if you think about it, like how many copies would have this comic have sold on its own without the, uh, you know, without this controversy? Mm-hmm. You know, it's in the grand scheme of things, you know, when you think of DC you know it's kind of like like what are you doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know it's kind of like you, you you kind of gotta let you know the baby have their bottle every once right. in a while yeah um, <laughs> so yeah uh but yeah so you know whatever your political leanings out there folks you know just go ahead and you know i'm sure there's people that are will keep an eye out for both those comics second coming and aoc just throwing it out there um again just let people enjoy what they want to enjoy and that's kind of always been my motto um but yeah and so uh let's move on real quick into our next story and you know i do before we talk about the story we do want to say uh it is kind of a rumor um but we're kind of been you know we don't want to dive too hard into it but it does bear you know i feel like we do have to bring it up a little bit and there's apparently a couple rumors going around that uh the dc might be looking at shutting down its vertigo imprint um as you can imagine, there's, uh, I imagine the sales probably aren't that good. I don't have the sales numbers in front of me. Um, they are publishing several books, including um, the current run of the Sandman universe. And, you know, a couple other titles here, like uh, Goddess Mode. That's, um, you know, they are publishing a couple of works here and there. Um, but one would think that maybe the sales aren't as strong as they would like. And, you know, knowing DC, they really like to again kind of like flood the market with a lot of their titles um and so maybe some of these issues kind of go by the wayside um 
but yeah, the, the, and again, I'm just saying we, this is a rumor. There's nothing that's been announced. In fact, we've also heard rumors that Vertigo is planning on doing the opposite at San Diego and um, announcing kind of like a relaunch and announcing a bunch of new books. Um, you know, again, it might be new books. It might be some books get canceled. Um, but again, here at DCM, we'd hate to see uh, this imprint go. So, Brad, like, I want to ask you about these rumors and just overall in general, like, just uh, maybe we can just turn this into a general conversation of, like, Vertigo and kind of its impact on DC and the industry. Um, the kind of what are your thoughts on, on this, on these rumors? Well, for me, I cannot stress the importance that Vertigo, you know, what Vertigo has meant to me over the years. Um, they... Between the preacher and Sandman, uh, you know, those are some of my favorite stories of all time, and that came directly from Vertigo. Um, you know, if it wasn't for Vertigo, I don't think I would have gotten back into comics in the late '80s like mm-hmm. I did. Um, it, you know, it was discovering all those '90s stories. Um, you know, but in the end, if Vertigo goes away, those stories aren't going to go away. I think that they'll always, DC will always find a way to reprint or re, you know, remake those, you know, redistribute those stories. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's somehow, you know, maybe they're trying not to confuse consumers too much because now they have Black Label and they have Vertigo. Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. they were both adult, like what, you know. Maybe they're trying to tighten the, you know, try to tighten the brand a little bit. Maybe they're trying to figure out some way to combine Black Label and Vertigo into into like a more of a adult umbrella. Even though you know Black Label deals with kind of the superhero side of things, and Vertigo is more uh, creator-owned individual stories. So you know, I I don't know. Um, I love Vertigo. I don't want to see it go. Um, and I guess on the, but on the flip side, I mean, I, I do like some of the new stories, um, but nothing really grabbed me in the way that those stories that they told in the 90s did. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got the uh, DMZ and mm. all of those. Hundred really Bullets. Classic, hundred, yeah, right. Hundred Bullets. I mean, all those. There's always like those, like, you know, it's kind of funny because back in the day, I always compared <clears throat> Vertigo to like HBO, mm. whereas DC was more like a big network show. And now mm. times have changed. Now you have all these like we were talking about streaming services and things like that. So, you know, and I don't exactly know where I was going with that analogy, but you know what I mean? I, mean, I guess there's so many ways that things yeah, are yeah, yeah, yeah. and experienced and, you yeah. know. Yeah, like you need you need uh, like cable, whether it's cable or if it's you know cable on demand, like HBO and Cinemax. Like you kind of need these things because that's how you, you know a Sopranos. That's how you get a Sopranos. You never yeah. would have that on network television. And yeah. I feel like with uh, Vertigo, that's to me Vertigo. It's like this is kind of like DC's uh, imprint to kind of give creators an opportunity to do their own thing, really dark story. Not even necessarily superhero stories, but just kind of like, it's almost like an image where, like image comics where it's like, hey, come here, give us your ideas, create it, go out and do it, and then, you know, take risks. And if it's dark, it's dark. If it's greedy, crime, whatever it is, you know, you can go ahead and you can print it and you can talk about like adult themes and like heavy subject matter. Um, Yeah, 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 it was, it's risky, uh, you know, 
is you don't know necessarily how audiences are going to respond. Uh, you know, talking about taking risks, a lot of Vertigo titles were risky. Um, with DC, you know, you're always going to have an audience for your Superman or Batman, but with Vertigo, it was definitely a lot less chance of exposure and success. You know, and I do want to. Yeah, you know, I do want to because I I just picked it up a, a while ago, but I actually picked up a uh, it's a bit of an older book now, but it was the Vertigo Encyclopedia, and uh, I highly recommend it uh, to our listeners out there because it really just kind of yeah I think it's to, from two thousand eight, so there's a lot that's come out since then, but I've been enjoying it. Um, you know, I, I'll kind of flip through it a little bit and just kind of like just to see kind of like some of the things that have been published. Um, throughout uh you know this this uh, this imprint's history and for me my for my particular uh my favorite thing from vertigo it has to be fables uh, fables, oh, yeah, fables is, is another one. Oh yeah absolutely fables is in like my top five yeah like favorite yeah. things in comics period i yeah. absolutely adore i gush over that series um and and you know again something like that would never happen in uh, um, in a, in, a, in other mediums you know kind of like a really dark take on a lot of these uh, childhood you know beloved childhood fables you know because you know they, there's they kind of only know them as the Disney version you know for you know for example I have uh, I have here on my wall I have this uh, I have fables one twenty nine issue number one twenty nine and it's you know it's on my wall. And it's mm-hmm. Snow White, and she's got a handgun, and she's got a shotgun on her back, and she's got her sword. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and most people probably don't know Snow White carries a sword. <laughs> you know, yeah. Snow White is kind of a badass. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Fables was. Oh yeah, like again, don't get me started on that. But yeah. <laughs> I, I hope that you know, I they're just rumors. I don't think. Vertigo is going to go away, but I think they are trying to kind of transition and see what it's going to mean moving forward. Again, you brought up Black Label. To me, Black Label is more of kind of like, hey, let's take our traditional characters like Batman, Superman, right. yeah, Wonder exactly. Woman, and let's give creators an opportunity to tell dark stories about those characters. Um, and, and so I feel like that's what Black Label is. And then like Young Animal is kind of more of a, it's almost like a, like a teenage pop like fever dream you know mm-hmm. you, you, if you will like when you look at like obviously like doom patrol and like eternity girl like you re- you go look through those comics and it's very much like it's still kind of like it feels more for like teenagers but like for mature teenagers or like young adults yeah. uh if you will um but yeah vertigo is kind of like just whatever you want it to be like whatever kind of story you want to tell uh and i mean I, yeah go ahead i think that the dc uh, has a history and Vertigo has a history that of telling those type of stories that even if the name Vertigo goes away, I think that those stories will somehow find a place within the company. Mm-hmm. I don't think those stories are going to go anywhere. I think that they'll always have that. You just don't know what it'll be called. Yeah. 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 Just, yeah. So again, hoping, hoping that, uh, at San Diego, they're announced that they're doubling down on Vertigo and like they're gonna come out with even more stuff. Um, so here's hoping again. Um, 
So I guess that'll do it for our news uh, portion of the podcast. And, and, you know, Brad, you know, I do want to take a moment out of the podcast and just ask you kind of what you're uh, enjoying this week. What are you reading, watching, uh, you know, out of DC Universe or just in general? Like, what are you, what are you uh, enjoying this week? Well, what I'm watching, um, I loved the new season of Black Mirror. Uh, there's three mm. new episodes up. Uh, really liked all of those. Black Mirror is just so genius. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the big thing and Swamp Thing, uh, of course. And, um, I've, you know, last week we talked about BookCon. Um, so this past week I've been reading a lot of the, the DC stuff that I was able to get my hands on, uh, like the, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's first, um, arc on Aquaman, mm. uh, uh, read that, which um, was pretty good. Uh, you know, she, you know, she talked on the panel how she loves to tell big stories, and man, the story is big, uh, very epic. And still, you know, it's very. I, I think the magic side of the DC universe is at a really interesting place right now, and uh, part of this arc deals with magic, so that was kind of that was kind of cool too. So I like that. Um, I finished the Raven. Um, Cami Garcia. Oh yes, book yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, so was the uh, the Black Canary Ignite uh, by Meg Cabot. That was mm-hmm. that was fun. Kind of felt that kind of felt like almost like a like, a, like kind of like a seventies cartoon in a way. Mm. Um, but that was a lot of fun. So that's it's basically um, like a like a super friend style, like seventies. Well, or? a little bit, but more just like the tone. I can't I can't really put my maybe it was just the mix of the illustration and everything. Mm. Um, I felt like I was watching uh, maybe not necessarily seventy cartoon, but kind of like a light hearted Saturday morning type cartoon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, I did see Dark Phoenix, which was eh, all right. <laughs> uh, overall, overall, missed. I think a missed opportunity. I think that mm. Those had are they known the worst. that it was going to be the last, how, yeah, how they had they known that it was going to be the last one, it probably would have turned out a little different. Because I, I think that when the production started, uh, uh, you know, the DC Fox merger wasn't exactly <laughs> where you know completed. But it was delayed, wasn't it? Like, I thought Dark Phoenix was... Oh, New Mutants was delayed, for sure. Yeah, New Mutants I Dark was, was delayed it, as well. Yeah, everybody, they were still trying to figure out how they wanted to... Um, in fact, going back to the Warner's streaming service, there were rumors. I think those have been uh, distilled that they were trying to figure out how to distribute that to all these streaming services so that they might not have even put it out mm-hmm. in the movie theater at all. So... Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, but... Now they're saying that yeah, it's it is going to come out in the movie theater. So anyway, but yeah, um, so yeah, that's basically what I've been reading and uh, reading and watching. Right on, right on. Um, as for me, uh, it's been a very busy week. Uh, we just, you know, at work we just started our uh, work at our. It's, it was our first week in our new office, and so there's a lot of uh, you know, just a lot going on with that. Um, so it's kind of been a, a bit of a long week, but actually in between, um, and again, you know, kind of getting ready for E3, I found myself playing, uh, what you would consider, I think what most people consider either 
the black sheep or the red-headed stepchild of the Arkham games. And that's the uh, Arkham Origins. Arkham Origins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I know a lot of people, it, it's considered, you know, everybody loves Asylum and people love kind of, some people love the kind of the epicness of like Arkham City and people hate the Batmobile in Arkham Knight. And Origins has kind of been like the uh, the forgotten uh, one. Uh, you know, again, it was made by, it's not a Rocksteady game. It was made by the review Montreal, but I've always kind of found a, a soft spot for it. Um, the best yeah, way I could describe yeah. it, uh, yeah, the best way I could describe it for, I, I told my friend that, you know, Arkham Asylum and City, they very much feel like you're playing Batman in a comic book. Um, Origins to me feels like you're playing Batman from the Christopher Nolan movies. Um, right yeah yeah like origins well, you know I, yeah just i've loved that you know going back to the christopher nolan thing the mm-hmm. way bane was mm-hmm. portrayed in right. uh origins was was a lot of fun i guess you know that fight on the rooftop yeah was always one of my favorite parts of that game and i was wondering how are they going to turn that bane into the bane that we got to see in asylum and city and but, I don't know. <laughs> but they did and i was like wow that's that's just cool venom. and, just blame it and on venom. <laughs> yeah and i like the um the the detective y part of origins as well and i liked black mask in it and yeah I, I i do think it gets a bum rap and speaking of rock steady and e3 man yeah i was gonna get into that <laughs> uh, they're not gonna be there again <laughs> I yeah. cannot wait for at least some concrete announcement from them about what's coming next because those Arkham games, I think, are right underneath Final Fantasy VII for my favorite video games of all time. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, again, you know, I'm replaying Origins. I would, I've only play, completed it the first time, but I kind of just went through the story. Um, so now I'm kind of going back and going into a lot of the side missions, which revolve mm-hmm. around, you know, specific villains and, you know, going through the, like the Riddler challenges and all that. Um, and again, I can understand why some people won't like it. But again, I feel like it's it's a difference between the comic books and the Nolan movies. Um, you have more realistic villains, you know, like you mainly deal with like a, the assassins and stuff uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, like Deathstroke, for example, you have a, a just a great fight, you know, between oh, yeah, Batman was, and Deathstroke. That was another great part of that game too. Yeah, that was a that was a fun boss fight. Yeah, yeah, that was a yeah. Again, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, going back to the Rocksteady, it's kind of like, oh man, like, come on, man. We know you guys yeah. are working on something, something DC. Yeah, and you know, I was actually hoping to go to E3 and maybe to you know i was my dream would have been rock city goes to e3 and you know I, I get a chance to go to e3 and you know just check out uh you know the game like behind closed doors or something like that um you know but they never announced anything so i never thought it would be you know of a, applying to go to e3 um you know because you know it's mostly for, unless it's like injustice or you know one of these games you know there really isn't much reason for us uh, to go to as, as dcn as an yeah, outlet to go, right. um, so yeah, it was a bit. It was a big letdown for me. But again, I'm I'm still gonna enjoy E3. That's probably gonna be my focus this coming week. Uh, probably you know, comics might take a step back this week. Yeah, just me as, too. I always, I always make a point to watch all the 
all the press conferences. Oh yeah, like I'm 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 having friends come over. Um, you know, we're watching uh, the press conferences, and again, it's sad to see Sony not being there. But uh, what are you gonna do? You know, right? I mean, for the past I don't know three or four years now, Sony's always had their uh, press conferences streamed to theaters, mm-hmm. and they were free tickets. So I've always been able to go to that and that was always one of my favorite things to do mm-hmm. e3 wise and now it's like ah man it's not gonna happen so mm-hmm. i just hoping that <laughs> that the microsoft uh press conference delivers so we'll, we'll see <laughs> yeah, but I'm yeah, just yeah really i just can't wait to see what rocksteady's got yeah because i remember you, you know having conversations with friends like what could they do next could they do how would they do a superman video game or wouldn't it be cool to see something like a green arrow mm. type game or you know something like that or like so. you know or like space you know like green lanterns and that sort of thing yeah uh-huh. yeah green lantern was another one like all these ways that and characters that rocks or a justice league game you know there was rumors of that for a while too so i just i just want i just want to know <laughs> Right. Yeah. So uh, with that, we're gonna go ahead and uh, wrap up the uh, the show here. And uh, Brad, where what are you working on, and where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, FlickyB1, uh, and you can find me on DC Comics News, uh, writing news and reviews. So that's that's where I'm at. Right on. Um, as for me, I'm at, at Joseph Marcus on Twitter and Instagram. Although I don't use those platforms all that much, but I'm there. Uh, you know, again, I still I keep meaning to uh, build that up, but you know, someday I will. Um, I do want to uh, give a quick plug to, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's I believe it's next week. Uh, you, Josh, and Seth are gonna be ha- you're gonna have a, a special guest next week. Yes, yes, right. yes, we are. And is it something? Is it something that we can announce or? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't. Uh... We'll, we'll tease it. So we'll tease it to our listeners. Uh, you know, we're gonna have a special guest next week. Yeah, and uh, we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, man, I don't want to get in trouble with like Josh. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, yeah, so uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. And uh, folks, as a reminder, uh, DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, So please head on over and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review our show. We'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts on on the show. Um, You can follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and a YouTube channel at DC Comics News. And also, please be sure to check out the Spinner Rack, hosted by our very own uh, Seth Singleton. Um, he's That is also our sister podcast. It comes out every week. And that is right here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. And folks, as always, read more comics.